Are you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And as always, folks, I know this is going to surprise the heck out of you, but I've got a great, inspiring guest here in studio with me today. And I would like to to give just a brief introduction before I turn the mic over to her. Uh, Her name is Becky Burcell, and I got to know Becky probably about two months ago. Uh, So a fairly new acquaintance of mine, but there was something that really impressed me about Becky. And that is that she's a normal person. See, Becky, I told you I'd introduce you as a normal person. You did. And by that I mean, you know, we all go through our lives feeling sometimes that we're a special case. And we might talk a little bit about that a little a little later on in the show. Uh, but sometimes we look at others as a special case too. And somehow the people who are succeeding out there are lucky or weird in some way. And we won't fully rule that out yet. But that there's something different about them. And the thing that impressed me about you, Becky, when I first uh, first talked with you is that you're believable. You're very successful. And we'll talk about what that means, uh, I think, as our conversation develops here. The principles that govern success are available to anyone who is willing to to receive and act upon those principles. And I see you as an example of someone who's doing that. But not only that, I see you as someone who is taking very seriously a mission that you have. Can I use that word? You can. I think that's a great way to describe it. Because you've been, you feel compelled to go out there and empower people. And so that's, that's the reason that I invited you to join me at Live On Purpose Radio today, because there are so many people who are out there in their life feeling stuck. And if they could really understand what it would take for them to just take control of their life and start building a life that they love, start dreaming again, start doing what they're on this earth to do, instead of just kind of, you know, withering away. Um, and you're about doing that. So that's why I wanted you to be here. Well, I really feel like I, I have a deep concern for people today. You know, if they watch the news or they buy into this mentality, I call it a scarcity mentality mm-hmm. where everything is negative and nobody has an opportunity to succeed or be happy right now because the economy won't allow it or the opportunities won't allow it or corporate America won't allow it uh, or the government won't allow it. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that that's the case. I think that there are still phenomenal ways for us to not only uh, prosper, but in, mm-hmm. in my definition, succeed. 
mm-hmm. meaning you actually take full control back over your, your life, your potential, your success, uh, and uh, the outcome of every direction that we mm-hmm. take. And I think we still have right. those opportunities right, right now. And really, nobody can take those away from you. No, unless you let them. And well, and that implies that they can't take them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because then the control's right back in your in in your hands. Right. So just to give a little more context on this, Becky, a couple of years ago, you were a stay at home mom. Yes. Uh you're still a stay at home mom. I am. And, but at the at the time, uh as I recall your story, your your husband was working some long hours. Uh, just trying to pay the bills and keep up and and you guys were doing okay, but you didn't have the the time freedom, the money freedom that you really wanted right and in the period of just a few short years, you've been able to transform that whole situation into something that anyone from any perspective would look at and say that you are successful in terms of time freedom, money freedom. Um, the things that we traditionally associate with success. How much of that story do you want to tell us? Well, I guess I should first start out and defining what my definition of success actually is. I think it's I was different get to that. Uh, for everybody. But uh, my definition of success is uh, you wake up every day and finances are no longer a stress in your life and you can put your 24 hours in whatever direction you want to put it. Meaning you're not, mm-hmm. your time is not regulated by someone else or it's dictated on only making money or trading our time for dollars. It can be on what you're actually passionate about, whether that is uh, in helping spend the time to help develop your children or in your community or whatever it is that you are passionate about. Cause there's a lot of people today that mm-hmm. have uh, money, but they don't have a lot of time. Or there's a lot of people that have a lot of time and no money. And I don't think Mm -hmm. anybody wants to fall into that category either. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was really my definition of success of being able to find both. And I guess Mm -hmm. it starts with believing that you really can. And knowing that that is attainable for anyone and everybody out there. And I mean, my story is... I don't know how, how normal it is, but I've never really fit into anybody's mold. I got married at 18 against mm. everyone's uh, advice and I wow. uh, fell in love with the man of my dreams and uh, still married 15 years later, i uh, happy to say, uh, which I just gave away my age. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, we were madly in love and I was a freshman at college and uh, he was a, a junior at college and we decided to get married and and I actually uh, stopped going to school to work and put him through school. And we did everything that we were supposed to do traditionally, you know, get the degrees and all the letters after the degrees and go out and get a great job and work really hard and uh, mm-hmm. build somebody else's business. And, you know, hopefully somebody will recognize their talents and, you know, work up your work your way up the corporate ladder. And we mm-hmm. did all of that mm-hmm. and started a family and bought a house and, we uh, very quickly realized that 40 hours a week turned into 50 hours a week and then 60 hours a week and uh, 70 and 80 came right behind that. And, you know, as with two small kids at home, uh, there were just days I felt more like a single mom than a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And so things mm-hmm. had to change. And we made a very conscious decision that we were going to do something different. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. we weren't going to fall into that trap of just 
wishing and hoping every single year that something would change, we were going to actually do something. We, we even started looking at franchises and wanted to become business owners. And, and uh, we then realized that most of the business owners were trying to get out of that because their businesses owned them. Yeah. And uh, we, we very quickly got involved in direct sales. And, you know, my husband was uh, very skeptical. And I think I was just naive. I just didn't know any better. But uh, he was very skeptical. And, and I finally got to a point where I said, well, you know, you're working all the time and I'm home with the kids. And I think it'd be great for, uh, for me to at least see what I'm capable of here. And I really think I could do this and be good at mm-hmm. it. And, and we did. And with his support, it took us about a year for us to match his income. And he was able to quit. And so we've both been stay-at-home mom and dads for the last six years. It's been quite a ride. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I want to, to reserve a little bit of time today to talk about the vehicle Mm-hmm. that allows you to do that. You, you mentioned direct sales. Um, it's been interesting for me just in the last couple of months, I've become more familiar with the direct sales and network marketing industry. And I've always been an entrepreneur, but I've always been a self-employed kind of a mindset. Right. If you remember, uh, Robert Kiyosaki talks about the um, cash flow quadrant. Mm-hmm. You're probably familiar with Absolutely. that. Where there's there's employees there's the self-employed, there's the business owners, and the investors. Mm-hmm. And those are all very different quadrants. Well, I sort of worked my way into, because I didn't want to be an employee, mm-hmm. I created my own business, and then I uh, I ended up creating a great big job for myself. Right. You know, so I was still an employee, but of myself. And uh, so I think it would be helpful to talk about that vehicle at some point in our conversation today. Sure. And uh, maybe dispel some of the myths or the the fears that are out there that people have about that particular industry. I think that'd be great. And who better to talk to about that? (laughs) Because you really found some freedom. Yes. And and I put that in quotes. In fact, in my notes here, I put, quote, found time and money freedom. And it's not that you just found it. No, we didn't just dropped in your lap. (laughs) Because it takes a lot of work. It does. And the application of the right kinds of principles. A lot of commitment. Mm Mm-hmm. I think you started it out by saying that you have to change your vision of what's possible or what you're capable of. Can you talk just a little bit more about that? That yeah, first step. you know, um, we kind of touched on this earlier about people really have to get back to a point where they can start to dream again and they have to start mm. to recognize their own capabilities. And I honestly believe uh, with all my heart that we all have a God-given right to become successful and that he wants us to become successful and that uh, we kind of have to get back to that childlike state. You know, sometimes I tell people the story of my son and mm-hmm. my daughter and how, you know, one day I was picking them up from school and I was just getting off a, a conference call and my kids are so sweet. They know to, to uh, kind of be quiet a little bit until I get off the phone. And, and uh, as they did, I, my daughter turns to me and I think she was probably about nine years old at the time. And she says, Mom, is there any way I could be a reg- regional vice president in your company the way you are someday? And I said, <laughs> absolutely, sweetie. I would love that. I said, but whatever you decide to do, you need to know mommy will back you 100%, whether mm-hmm. it's being an astronaut or a strawberry picker, or whatever you want to do, mommy will love it and support mm-hmm. you. And I looked at my son and I said, do you want to be uh, a regional vice president too, uh, JJ? And he said, 
he kind of looked at me and I thought about it for a second. And he said, no, I think actually I'll be Spider-Man instead. (laughs) And I, you know, I kind of started to laugh at first and he was dead serious. And I said, you know what? If there's anyone that could figure out a way, you could find a way, Jay. And Mm. and, uh, I wasn't going to tell him that he couldn't be Spider-Man. And I I think there, at some point, we all started to believe uh, more in what we couldn't do than in what we could do. And we've allowed, you know, influences around us, whether it was teachers that told us we weren't good at something or parents or friends or siblings or whoever. And we bought into their concept of who we were and what we should become or what we're good at and what we're not. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, it, it, we all have to start back at point A where we realize our capabilities and we start to allow ourselves to dream again um, because if we start to set our goals at a, a low point, that's all we'll shoot for. But it takes just as much energy, energy to uh, set the bar high as it does low. So mm-hmm. why not think big and instead you, of small? You can set it wherever you want to. That's a great beginning to the rest of our discussion. We'll take a little break and be right back. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format fully illustrated with very fun hidden messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great, These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Thank you for joining me for the Live On Purpose radio podcast. It is truly an honor to be a part of your prosperity team. Please visit my website, drpaul.org, to get connected with other tools for you and your family. There you will find links to my weekly e-zine, Empower, Harnessing the Power of the Mind, and to the free Parental Power Teleconference that I host every week with my wife, Vicki. You can also check out upcoming events or pick up powerful information products. Feel free to contact me directly with questions, comments, or to book me for your company or private event. Email me through drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com. Okay, Becky, sometimes I think we should just keep the mics rolling during the breaks. Yeah, we should. (laughs) But anyway, we can recap uh, some of where our discussion was going. Okay. The fear to dream. I think some people really truly have a fear of dreaming. It's like the disappointment that they're anticipating is so intense that they just won't allow themselves 
to even think about it or the fear of failure. Talk about that a little bit from from your own experience. What do you see happening with people who are afraid to dream? Well, I always hear people talk about how you are a direct result of the five people that you hang out with the most, meaning Mm. I, you know, which kind of puts people in check sometimes. If you're the most influential person that you're hanging out with, sometimes that's a a sign that you should broaden your uh, network maybe Mm. to, to really grow and progress. But I think... You know, when they, when they say that, it really, they're talking more about you're buying into other people's opinions of, of who you are or, or what you should be or what you should do. Uh, but a lot of times, I think the voices that we hear above and beyond the outside voices are the ones in our head. And sometimes mm-hmm. uh, we buy into those voices more than even the people around us. We create all these worries and fears and doubts that probably 90% of the time never even occur. We just instinctively Mm -hmm. like to create obstacles for ourselves because we think things should be harder than they really are. We think that success is some monumental uh, explosion or occurrence, and it's not. It really is just doing something, uh, little things above average on a consistent basis that really sets people apart uh, as far as whether it's income or knowledge or experience. Uh, it's just those people were willing to do something a little bit more on a consistent basis. It wasn't just one day mm-hmm. they had this monumental occurrence in their life. It was a gradual progression. Mm. Well, there's a lot of stuff in there. It, it, when you said that we think that things are harder or that they should be harder than they actually are. And the human mind has this strange habit of... Of identifying all of the barriers, mm-hmm. you know, why, well, in fact, any of you listening can just ask yourself, why am I not succeeding right now? If you don't think you are. Mm-hmm. And again, you gotta, you gotta identify how you're going to define success. And, and Becky, when you were defining success earlier, part of the thought I was having was it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you feel that you are financially free. That's true. And I think you you have to define uh, what financially free would be for you. Because the mm-hmm. mistake that many people make is this constant uh, running after something that doesn't really exist. And so they mm-hmm. never find that level of contentness or that level of happiness because uh, they're always pursuing mm-hmm. because they've never really set a goal. They've never really set a benchmark. They've never said, mm-hmm. when I get to this point, I'll do this with my life. Or when I reach this, I'll pursue this. Um, mm-hmm. They're just constantly running and running and never really, you know, that grass is always greener syndrome mm-hmm. uh, on the other side. So, you know, setting goals, it's, it's very cliche, but, you know, it's, that, that goal is really only a wish until you write it down and mm-hmm. uh, until you can visualize it, until you can see it, until it becomes a purpose mm-hmm. in your life, not just something you're wishing for every mm-hmm. single day. So in defining your success, if you can be very intentional about what it is you want to create, and and I coach people on this all the time, you know, they, they express all of this discontent that they're having in their life. Whether that's in the form of anxiety or I don't have enough or, you know, the scarcity thinking that you referred to. Well, 
the next question is one of the hardest ones for people to answer, and that is, if not this, then what? Mm-hmm. And how are you going to answer that? And I see so many people who, I think part of the fear of dreaming is is in what we've already talked about, you know, fear of failure, or fear, fear of um, disappointment. Uh, but there's another piece that they have no idea what they would do with freedom. Right. What if you had all of the time that you're now spending in your job free? What would you do with it? You know, I have a lot of couples that say, gosh, I don't know if we had that much time, we might kill each other or we might uh, find out we don't (laughs) like each other or, uh, you know, and it's just the opposite. You really take the time to develop Mm -hmm. relationships because those relationships become more valuable than money or boats and toys and cars and, you know, the things that Mm -hmm. people are really pursuing because they are so much more valuable. I mean, the relationships that you can build in your life uh, above and beyond. And for, for people that haven't experienced that, um, again, they'll always be searching, but it, it really is about developing constant and, and pure and real relationships with people to not only provide that security in your life, but to really help find uh, real happiness and on a long-term basis, not just short-term. But mm-hmm. that fear of failure, um, you know, to go back a step is it, it comes in many different forms. You know, whether people are mm-hmm. scared of success, you know, there really are people that are just scared of success. Uh, there are other people that are afraid of what everyone else is going to think. They're too worried about other people's opinions uh, instead of focusing on their own goals. Whereas mm-hmm. I don't think we realize that everybody else is focused on their own problems anyway. They're not really looking at ours. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it's we, a little egocentric to really think that is. they're thinking about us all the time. It really is. And and they're really not. You know, everybody is very mm-hmm. caught up in their own uh, problems, their own families, their own issues. And, uh, you know, we finally got to a point where, you know, nobody else was going to create that success for us. Uh, we weren't going to ask anybody else to, but nobody else was going to pay our mortgage or, you know, create the uh, lifetime mm-hmm. savings or put our kids through college. Nobody else was going to do those things. And so it wasn't about asking anybody's permission anymore or taking a consensus to find out if something was a good idea. It mm. was just instinctively somewhere inside yourself knowing that you were making a decision that was going to better your family. And, uh, you know, as long as you had your, your spouse, in my case, my spouse mm-hmm. and, you know, the Lord and, and we were all on the same page, then uh, we were going to pursue it. I, I, you know, there are aren't too many things that we can pursue that are irreparable, meaning there aren't Mm. other doors that will open along the way. So people always look at successful people and think, well, everything they touch turns to gold or everything they do works out well. Whereas it's usually the fact that they just, they know how to make decisions and they do it quickly and they pursue and pursue and, and, you know, they definitely have more failures than successes, but because uh, they're willing to progress uh, it doesn't mean they don't deviate, you know, from path to path. They do, mm-hmm. but they're always progressing forward. They're always going forward. They're not sitting back and waiting for something to happen or waiting for the right opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're always moving. So, Becky, I've asked a lot of successful people uh, this particular question. I'm going to throw it by you to kind of knowing what you're going to say, but what is the role of failure the role of failure. Yeah, and you can define failure too if you want. 
Well, I don't know if you can define failure. I mean, I, it's def- that's like saying somebody's normal. I don't think that yeah. there's a definition for We're it. We're playing it's, with all of those loosey-goosey <laughs> definitions it's, it's today. It's different for everyone. Um, but failure is really just an opportunity um, to get up and, and keep moving. I mean, it, it, failure, it, it, you know, is, is kind of a stumbling block, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I just have seen too much and my, my faith doesn't allow me to believe that there's ever a place where you can't come back up from something or recover from mm-hmm. something. And so I think failure is just a, a state of mind. Um, yeah. I think it's just some place that we allow ourselves to go. It's not real. It's, it's not a, it's not a location. You know, it's not like a, an island off of Hawaii where, where we end up. You're going to go there. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's just a state of mind and we have full control over that. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that we won't have experiences that we, we might want to lump into that category. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it, the only time we stay there or it becomes a location is if we allow it to, if we just wallow in it or we, mm-hmm. we mentally uh, park, our, park our vehicle there. So I had, I had one of my uh, mentors and coaches share with me that in the negative kind of victim mindset that we get stuck in sometimes, failure becomes personal, pervasive, and permanent. And when you see it that way, it is that island off of, it's probably not even off of Hawaii. It's probably off of the coast of Siberia probably. somewhere. <laughs> where you are... You are a prisoner doomed to spend the rest of all eternity right there. As it's, if you've been branded. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the successful people that I know who are really having a good time with life, who are living the life that they love, they see failure as the middle part of an inspiring story. Mm-hmm. They see it as an essential element of learning what they need to learn so that they can go forward and have a different kind of an experience next time. Yeah, and I don't think we are, uh, you know, eventually judged on how many failures we have. I think we're judged on how many times we get back up. You know, mm-hmm. if we decide not to, that's you know, again, that's a state of mind. That's a decision that we mm-hmm. that we make. And uh, everybody's definition, as far as levels of failures, are are, are completely different. You know, some mm-hmm. people uh, having to. Uh, go through a divorce is uh, a failure. Or some people, they they mm-hmm. feel that, you know, financial burdens have become a failure. And to me, it's more of a filtering process. You know, we've got mm-hmm. too much too much junk in our lives. And, you know, there's a point where we have to kind of cleanse that out. And so, That's right. you know, again, it's, it's how we look at it. It's an opportunity to move forward or it's a, a place that we, I guess it's that island off mm-hmm. of Siberia. Right. <laughs> And Becky, I know you're a Lakers fan. I am a Lakers fan. And we're right in the middle right now of the NBA Finals yes. in 2009. I don't know when yes. all of you folks are listening to this particular recording, but uh, I encountered, I'm a basketball fan as mm-hmm. well, and uh, I encountered a video. It, I, think it was a, I think it was a Nike commercial with Michael Jordan, and he's going through and he's saying, I've... I lost over 300 games. Yeah. And, you know, 24 times I was trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. Yeah. And he says, I have failed more than most other people, and that's why I succeed. And I just thought that was so powerful to get that perspective. That this is, 
this is one of the essential elements of success and to redefine failure in your own mind so that you don't get stuck on that island off of Siberia. But you realize this is just the middle part of an inspiring story and there's a lot to come. Absolutely. And we have more to come as well, so stick with us. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Those who teach children all too often have to say the following statement, Stop leaning back on your chair. Or how about, that is going to break that chair. In fact, did you know each year over 7,000 injuries are reported in British hospitals alone due to children seesawing on their chairs? Worldwide injuries reach the hundreds of thousands each year. One British teacher finally decided to do something about this. His name is Thomas Keisel, and his new invention not only stopped children from rocking back in their chairs, but he retired as a teacher because his product was so profitable. He calls it Max. Max is a chair design where the back legs of the chair are bent backwards a little. This makes it virtually impossible to lean back. By keeping all four legs on the ground, Thomas's chair is keeping children out of hospitals. His chair is becoming widely popular as he is receiving orders from schools all over. Congratulations, Thomas Keisel, on a grounded idea. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. I've got a great idea. Wouldn't you like to know? You probably can't bear it, so I guess I'll have to share it. I thought of it a moment Leaders must be close enough to relate to others, but far enough ahead to motivate them. John Maxwell. Okay, so during the break, I was informed by my son, who is our very astute and talented studio tech today. That I got the quote wrong. <laughs> but it was pretty darn close. It was close. And it's it's part of the formula. You have to go through this. It's almost a refining process, don't you think? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it gives you maturity. In fact, we were just talking about these uh, these basketball players. We're both basketball fans. And, and uh, we watch Kobe Bryant now compared to several years ago. Right. And just the maturity and the leadership. Uh, part of which I think has come because of a lot of the adversity and the difficulty that he has encountered in his career. Yep. And there are other uh, younger players that we don't necessarily need to name, I guess, that <laughs> maybe haven't gained that maturity yet. But um, but that's part of the process of refining someone. It is. And uh, whether and, we want to go through the process or not, it is yeah. it is required. Well, that's irrelevant. You know, I tell my kids all the time, you don't have to want to. Yeah. That's just the weather report. We we grew up in a household where we had uh, we had my dad's lectures numbered. 
And so <laughs> Law of Sacrifice was number 304 in the, uh-huh. the lecture list. But that was definitely his favorite. It mm-hmm. was, you know, whoever uh, sacrifices something good to get something great and keeps that constant mm-hmm. uh, law of sacrifice in place. And it, it is, you know, just like we talked about, there are a few principles that apply, uh, you know, whether you believe in them or not, they, they apply. And the law of sacrifice mm-hmm. is, is definitely one uh, that has right. to be in, in place. And it's not an easy one to follow. It's mm-hmm. not something that most of us do willingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of fight against it every single day. That's right. Well, we see what what our current circumstances are. And the law of sacrifice requires you to see beyond the here and now to the larger picture. And to realize, really, that your here and now is going to be made better by that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I've... I want to quote you on something here. Okay. I was, uh, I was just looking at a little video clip online. Okay. And I think I think we've kind of we haven't really clearly identified that you are a regional vice president for a, a very fantastic. Just I'm really impressed with this company called Kayani. Yes. Which is a network marketing company. And I'm going to pick your brain about that in just a sec here too. Okay. But there's a little video on the Kayani website. Uh, where you were saying something along these lines, and you can embellish or add to this if you want to. When you first start out, you can only see your situation the way it is today. When you recognize what you can do, it's amazing where your goals and dreams will start to take you. I remember saying that. (laughs) Good. So I was pretty close on the quote. You were. You were right on. Seeing the here and we get stuck looking at our current situation and we think that that's a prediction of how life is going to be for us forever. Right. We've moved into the island. Yes, we've we've <laughs> uh, brought our bags with us and yeah, um, decided your to luggage. stay for a while. But we do. Most of us look at our lives. Uh, you know, when we have those reflection moments, we we usually only think of our, our situation now. Um, and when we're, we're trying to change something or we're trying to improve it, we want to make more money or we want to lose weight or we want to find more time or, you know, we, we want to create those things in our life. Uh, it's hard for us to look past where we're at right now. We, we start mm-hmm. to buy into all these excuses like, well, I can't make more money because I don't have more time or I can't spend more time with my kids because I have to make more money. I mean, we go through this hamster wheel of loops and loops and loops, and we, you know, we, we can't see outside of that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when our priorities change, it's amazing how those things will open up. You know, I always give the scenario mm-hmm. that, you know, as, as busy as I am or as busy as any mom is, uh, if we found out we were having triplets nine months from now, our priorities would change. We would start shifting things mm-hmm. in our lives because it wouldn't be an option. We would need to create more time uh, and uh, you know, because it would be important to us. And so when we mm-hmm. start to reprioritize in our life that, okay, I, I'm going to uh, create a multiple stream of income and I'm going to do that by cutting out the baseball league uh, or my softball co-ed team, or uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to give up television for the next two years, or I'm going to, we're not going to go see movies on weekends mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know, there's always a way to create that when it becomes a priority. And a lot of times mm-hmm. we don't make it a priority until our life is so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable that we can't stay in that current situation another day. You know, we, we've all heard that the biggest mm-hmm. enemy of being great is being good because we, we yeah. settle for good. 
And we are a society of settling for good. When uh, things are comfortable, we stay in that situation. And where growth actually happens are in those uncomfortable moments. And, mm. uh, you know, very, again, cliche to say, but we have to get good at getting comfortable with uncomfortable, you know, look forward to it, except mm -hmm. that change is going to come and that we don't know where it's going to come from, but we have to kind of roll with it, you know, try not to hold on to everything. You know, if you want mm -hmm. something different you, than everybody else has, you have to do something different than everybody else is doing. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be different. It's going to be outside the mm -hmm. box. And I, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking to change something, then, you know, our mindset needs to change that we need to be excited for that instead of, you know, dreading the change. You know, discomfort is a part of life. And when you, when you realize that, I th thought of two books. One of them you just quoted from Jim Collins, Good to Great, where he said, good is the enemy of great. We become complacent in that, and then we don't push ourselves to a higher level. But M. Scott Peck wrote a book called The Road Less Traveled, and it opens up with another classic line that's something like, and I'll probably get the quote wrong again, but Brennan can fix it later. Something like, life is hard. And the sooner you get used to that and realize, okay, am I going to do the hard thing now to create an easier life? Or am I going to do the easy thing now, which is going to create a harder life? Mm-hmm. Hard, easy versus easy, hard. And that's an oversimplification, I realize. Yeah. But you know, my favorite quote of all time, I, you know, for and whatever faith uh, anybody is, but mm -hmm. Spencer W. Kimball, uh, who was uh, uh, a personal mentor of mine and many mm -hmm. others, but he talked about how that which we persist in doing becomes easier for us to do. Not that the nature of the thing has changed, mm -hmm. but that our desire to do it has increased. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we can somehow find a way to increase our desire to do it, you know, our excitement for that end results, you know, waking up every day and not worrying about the task, thinking of the end result and where it's going to get us and the joy that it's going to bring us and the people around us. Mm -hmm. Again, that which we persist in doing, it will become easier with time. Mm -hmm. It will become habit forming, actually to where you don't know any difference and you know, other people might look at you like it's extraordinary, but yet it's a habit for you and you, you've created that in your life. You don't, you don't know any different and you wouldn't settle mm -hmm. for anything less. And the thing doesn't change. No, it doesn't. It's the same. It's you that changes. And I see this all the time with my kids. In fact, just in the last couple of weeks, I, um, I had a birthday recently and, and the gift that I received was a wee fit. <laughs> I don't know if that's a hint well, or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, I'm getting old, right? <laughs> no. But anyway, the whole family is just enjoying, and the technology is amazing. I'm just, I'm amazed with what they're able to do with this. But there's a number of different tasks you do, and and uh, you when you start out, you're really not very good at this stuff. And uh, I've watched some of my kids and even myself as I, I'll get a little frustrated. Oh, I can't do this. And that's my kind of automatic thinking. I can't do this. I've trained myself to think differently now and think, well, I can. How am I going to do this? And it's going to take some work. It's going to take some practice. But I think the default thinking is often, I can't. Well, after you practice it for a while, you get good at it. So these different tasks on this, uh, on this game... Uh, we're watching the records for each of these tasks go up and up and up and up. 
and the old ones just fell by the wayside because and it's not that the game changed it's just that we're getting a lot better at it and that's just an example of what we're talking about here anything that you persist in doing becomes easier and it's not the thing that's changing it's you it is and it allows us to become a little more open-minded to the things mm-hmm. around us um i have a good friend that uh, always tells me the most expensive thing you'll ever own is a closed mind Mm, for sure. And it will cost you more in your life than any any mortgage or any car or anything else you could ever mm-hmm. buy is being closed-minded and, you know, only open to what you know and not willing to uh, open up to what the world sees or what other people mm-hmm. see and, and learning from other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we get so caught up in our own daily lives um, that we're missing out on uh, a lot of experiences. You know, mm-hmm. having our children learn geography from a textbook instead of experiencing Rome by being there or Mm -hmm. knowing what South America looks like because they've been there or what a penguin is because they've Mm -hmm. they've seen one I mean you know all of these things um you know we we again buy into uh what our experiences can be what our life is supposed to look like Mm -hmm. and then we kind of choreograph our life around that around what we believe and again it's just as much energy to 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 think small as it does to think big. And so it's just trying to empower people to realize that we all have those capabilities and we all have within us the mm-hmm. ability to, uh, to change those things, no matter what, what place we're at in life, whether we're just starting out or whether, you know, we're, we're in our sixties and, and trying to figure out what we want to do when we grow up either way. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we all still have that, that in, in us to, to make those changes. So Becky, that's easy for you to say. As I've heard before. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have. What's your response to that? Uh, it, it wasn't easy, actually. Um, you know, again, against, uh, I think, all odds, we've, we've done some things and helped others uh, create some things that most people probably wouldn't believe and, um, you know, or don't want to believe or say it's too good to be true or, well, yeah, it happens for her or it happens to him, but uh, my situation is, is different. And, you know, we had to give up uh, a lot to get, to get where we wanted to be. And, you know, I definitely don't claim to be at, at any stopping point either mm-hmm. or, you know, where, yeah. where, where we want to be. But uh, uh, there's, there's definitely a lot more life to live and, and things to do. And, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I really feel like my goals have changed. And, and I talked a little bit about this with you before. But when, when we start off in those situations, again, we, we only see our current situation. Mm-hmm. And so we're not able to look down the road. Okay, if I do this every single day, look at what my life will actually be three, five, ten years from now. And, you know, if, if everyone would create, uh, I call it their own board of directors. Um, I have people that sit on my board of directors for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's physically, spiritually, financially, Surround yourself by people that can can help you make those decisions and influence your life and and help you create those possibilities and see it for yourself. Mm. We've got one more segment. We'll be right back. If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in the 7,000 words per minute. 
I highly recommend this program. From what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program and from what I've seen in myself today. I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, you know, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read. And uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. This is David Hinton, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you to join us for our next event. Visit AbundantReadingSystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. Raising kids is one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences we can have in life. Your children didn't come with an owner's manual, so it's up to you to learn whatever will assist you in your role as a mom or a dad. Join me and my husband, Dr. Paul, for a free weekly discussion about all of the hot topics in parenting. Listen to what others are saying about these calls. By applying the things I've learned to the parental power calls, I'm finally becoming the mom I always thought I would be. I really like to use parental power as kind of like a reference book. So as I have concerns with my parenting, I like to be able to look up on the blog and then listen to whatever podcast seems closely related. So I like the variety of, of topics, the variety of age groups that are addressed. I'm on the parental power calls as often as I possibly can because I know I'm going to come away with something I can apply to being a parent that very day. Let us join your parenting team through parental power. Just send an email to drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com to register for the live calls. Or just check us out first through the link at drpaul.org. All of the previous calls are posted on our blog site, where you can also add your own input. Let's team up to start parenting on purpose. Okay, Becky, while I have you here, I just want to pick your brain about something that is fairly new to me, and that is uh, an industry um, that I've just recently become more familiar with, and that is network marketing, direct sales, referral marketing. There's a lot of different words for it, and I kind of, it kind of hit me broadside because I had this attitude uh, that I would never get involved with a network marketing company. And I think that's because, you know, there were people who uh, kind of turned me off to it in mm -hmm. the way they were handling it and things like that. And it's only recently that I've realized that I was being very close-minded. And I see you as as a person who has a lot of experience in this particular industry. And I know you've fielded a lot of questions and a lot of concerns as people are looking for a way to take a higher level of control in their life, to live on purpose, um, to not wait around for the rescue, and realize it's like you were saying, nobody's going to come in and pay your mortgage. Nobody's going to make sure your kids get to college. Other than you, you and John, to take care of your own kids. Right. Um, network marketing is a vehicle. It's a tool. It's a... 
um, it's an opportunity to create something in your own life. And I think I personally have had some kind of biased opinions about that in the past and tell some circumstances in my life and some wise mentors in my life have helped me to see a different way. So I want to just turn you loose on that for a few minutes and talk because this is a vehicle you have used to create for yourself and your family time and money freedom. Yeah. True. True. And, you know, just like you, I, we never imagined ourselves here which is so interesting. I mean, we, mm-hmm. my husband and I never woke up one day and said, Hey, how about we go out and be network marketing gurus? You know, that never yeah, leading the industry. It, it absolutely did not occur in our mind mm-hmm. at all. But when we sat down on, you know, you pen and paper pros and cons, and we actually wrote out, uh, and, and kind of mapped out exactly what we wanted a successful business to look like. And I, you know, we were looking for uh, an opportunity that was limitless we were looking for something that had uh, proven success. We were looking for something that uh, we could put our, our time and talents into. And, and you know, it was going to be worth uh, on the return what we put into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were looking for support and mentorship and uh, learning from other people's experiences. All, everything that came into, into our mapping or our, our guide uh, network marketing gave us. And, and then mm-hmm. some. You know, we, we never even... I had the thought that somebody else would do all of our billing and our accounting and our invoicing and our customer service and our shipping. And I mean, all the headaches that business owners have today that we don't have to deal with. That's what's great about the partnership between us and and the company. Mm -hmm. And they take care of all of the headaches of owning your own business for us so that we can actually develop uh, with our time the one thing that helps us create more income, which is building a, a larger customer base. So whatever, whatever company somebody's with, um, network marketing is a, a distribution. It is a way for us to get any product or service or whatever company they're with to, to get that product or service out to the world uh, and alleviate the, the cost of marketing. So instead of spending mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars on commercials and mass mailings and telemarketing, which as we know is not as effective today, uh, we do it all through mm-hmm. referral marketing, you know, through friends, family, people that we have uh, associations that we have trust and relationships with. And the concept is pretty simple. And when we really realized how simple it was that I guess that's what made it so brilliant was the, mm. the concept not being um, like summer sales, you know, which uh, I'm not knocking at all, but, but they definitely work very, very hard, sometimes 18 hours a day, uh, knocking doors mm-hmm. to sell a product or a service. That's right. Uh, and they get a handful of, you know, very motivated young, young guns out there in the summertime to, uh, to go sell and sell and sell and to masses of people. Whereas we do the opposite. we, give the masses of people the opportunity to acquire a handful of customers because the duplication process is so simple. Mm. And to give you an example, I mean, show instead of showing five people how to acquire 10,000 customers, show 10,000 people how to acquire five. Uh, Because anyone and everyone, the average person can acquire five and they can maintain five and they can keep a relationship with five customers. The average person cannot acquire 10,000 customers and it would be nearly impossible to have a high retention rate with 10,000 customers because you can't retain a relationship with 10,000 people. 
And uh, what we found in network marketing is that you have a higher retention rate with customers because not only do you have a great product or service, but you have a great relationship that backs that. And people today mm -hmm. just are more comfortable supporting someone's business that they know than total strangers um, or relying on advertising to get the bulk of the information on what they should buy. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've definitely seen a, a shift and a trend in that. And there's so many great companies out there that are taking that same route. And it's all through networking. And every company networks, you know, whether they call it that or not, doctors, attorneys, um, you know, even health food stores, uh, even um, uh, summer sales guys, you know, they even go out and recruit and, mm -hmm. uh, and network that way. But uh, there's, there's a, an element of network in, in every business. Uh, you know, pharmaceutical companies, they, they realize, you know, the, the more sales reps they have in the field, the more doctors they'll reach, uh, more prescriptions will be, uh, you know, prescribed and, and mm -hmm. more pharmaceuticals will, will reach everybody's hands. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, network marketing is the same way. The more sales reps that we have in whatever countries around the world, the concept being that they'd be able to acquire customers that I wouldn't be able to because I, I live in Utah and I've never been to Australia, but we mm -hmm. have sales reps there who are able to acquire customers that I never would be able to. Because they know those people. They do, and they have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. So it, it really is about a duplication process. Probably the best duplication process that most people are familiar with are companies like McDonald's. You know, you walk into a McDonald's, and every franchise is almost exact, I mean, almost cookie cutter exactly the same. The cashiers are in the front, and the slot machines for the hamburgers are right behind them, and the mm -hmm. fry machine is always to the left. The drive-through is always to the left. Uh, and they duplicate that over and over and over again because it works. And mm -hmm. we do the same thing. We acquire customers and we show new distributors how to acquire customers. And we duplicate that over and over again. So I think part of the brilliance of this whole model is that people naturally want to succeed. Mm -hmm. They want to experience freedom in their life. They're sick and tired of captivity. Some of them are consigned to it you know, because they've moved into the island, but they just, they really want something better in their life. Mm -hmm. And in their heart of hearts, they would really like to, to sense that they've got a better handle on things, whether it's financially or in their time management or whatever it is. But they feel like they're lacking certain things. And when you started listing, you know, the billing and the accounting and the bookkeeping and all of those things, I've been a business owner for my whole adult life. And those things are, quite frankly, kicking my rear. Very time-consuming. Yeah, and, and th those aren't my unique abilities. And so that puts a, a damper on the kind of success you can have. But there's people out there saying, I don't have a business plan. I don't have a product. I don't have a marketing plan. I don't have an infrastructure in place. How could I own my own business? And the brilliance of network marketing is you get with the right company and all of those things are taken care of for you. Yeah, and I, I read a study years ago, and I can't even remember uh, what year it was, but they, they actually took a, a survey of people in the United States, age range from 18 to 65, and they asked them, given the opportunity to own your own business or to be an employee, which would you prefer? And I think it was like 96 97% all said they would much rather own their own business. But I... I, I, it was less than 10% actually do in the United States. 
And so they went further and asked people, well, why is it that you don't? And most people, they say, well, lack of knowledge. I don't know how to start it. I don't know the accounting. I don't, you know, there's risk. I don't have the investment. I don't have uh, the experience. And so again, all of those fears that, that come into play and they keep us from pursuing something that we know that long-term would be better for us, but we keep ourselves in the now Mm-hmm. and keep ourselves from pursuing that. And I think that's why there's such a draw to network marketing is because the system's already laid out and we just have to find a, a good work ethic and a desire and the right company that, that, that we feel good about attaching ourselves to and uh, put that action behind it. And it's all about relationships too. As <laughs> it you, is. And, and you pointed this out very, very nicely earlier. Every business transaction is based in a relationship. I'm convinced of that. And I don't care if you're a major corporation or if you're a small mom and pop operation or if you're in network marketing, it's all in a relationship. And this is something that I think people are finding appealing as well because they get to associate with and hang out with people who are trying to accomplish the same kind of thing that they are. Well, it, it's almost uh, infectious, the environment, you know, you're, it is. Pe- people get so much politics, whether with family or at work or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, community of, is your son going to make the baseball team or, you know, all, all of these things come into play and mm-hmm. the environment that we create is very empowering. You know, we, we are wanting the average person to succeed. We're wanting anybody with a, a work ethic and desire to succeed. And, you know, you have people that are willing to take a vested interest in your success and that's just not typical in the marketplace today. And, and especially in the, you know, the corporate environment is, you know, let's climb over everybody's backs to get where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And this is a whole new world, you know, the, where you have to empower other people and build them up mm-hmm. and really be a support system to them and be their biggest cheerleader. You know, uh, mm-hmm. when everybody else doubts you, um, there have to be people in your life that are willing to tell you, don't listen to that and, and get up and keep going. And I know you can do it. I want to, we've got just a few seconds left, and I want to support what it is that you're doing with your business. The company that you're involved with is called Kayani, and that's spelled K-Y-A-N-I. And correct me if I get any of this wrong, Vicki. <laughs> uh, Kayani is um, is a company that you have chosen for a lot of very specific reasons, and we've gotten into some of those through our discussion. But I want to give people a way to get to that company. And uh, so I'll put a link on the website for this as well. But one way that you can find out more about Becky and what she's doing with this company, Kayani, is to go to this website. It's called Live On Purpose. That should be easy to remember. LiveOnPurpose.MyKayaniLife.com Kayani spelled K-Y-A-N-I liveonpurpose.mykayanilife.com and there's some cool little videos and some other things that you have contributed there to help people learn about that company. It is. It's a great company and it's a, a great opportunity for anybody. Again, there are no get-rich-quicks and there are no free rides, but anybody with that work ethic and desire uh, can find the success that they're looking for. Becky, thank you for being here at Live On Purpose Radio. Thank you, Dr. Jenkins. Well, Catch you on our next show. Everybody go out there and live on purpose.